What are some of the biggest mistakes that healthcare sector entities are making with their privacy and security efforts to safeguard patient data? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Eliana Peters, who recently joined the Washington, D.C. office of law firm Pulsinelli after leaving the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights, where she was a HIPAA enforcement leader for 12 years, including her last position serving as Acting Deputy Director of Health Information Privacy. Eliana will be sharing some of the lessons that she thinks that covered entities and business associates can learn about improving their security and privacy programs. So, Eliana, based on your time at OCR and the trends that you were seeing, especially lately, what are some of the most important lessons that you think covered entities and business associates need to learn to avoid falling victim to the kinds of breaches and cyber attacks happening in the healthcare sector these days? A couple of the latest cases from OCR, most recently released on the on their website, really provide a good roadmap for this question and answering this question. So I think there were a couple of cases uh, on data security issues most recently, two in specific, 21, 21st Century Oncology and Fresenius. And they talk about data breaches that both of those entities experienced in the case of 21st Century Oncology. It was a multi-million person breach over time. And in the case of Fresenius, it was five different types of breaches that occurred over time. So I think there are a couple of cases that are really illustrative of this problem and the, the issues that covered entities and business associates continue to face with regard to different kinds of breaches and cyber attacks. So when we're looking at 21st century oncology, that was sort of a persistent cyber attack that was ongoing for many months that was identified by the FBI. And the FBI actually got in contact with 21st century oncology and, you know, let them know that they had this ongoing and persistent attack that had been going on for several months. And it turns out that after OCR's investigation, 21st century oncology did not only do a poor job with the basics, and that is risk analysis and risk management. So that's an ongoing issue that we continue to identify for covered entities and business associates as something that uh, we all need to do better on. And then, you know, given that they didn't do a great job with their risk analysis and risk management, it was hard to implement good security controls, including the way that they regularly reviewed their information system activity records. So the security rule requires that covered entities and business associates do a good job of looking at their audit trails and access records. So the, the rule requires that they have this function enabled to their electronic protected health information. Many times that feature is available on their applications and other system controls, and they just have to turn it on. But once they turn it on, it's really important to monitor, to review those system logs, the audit logs and the access reports, because if you review them and when you review them, as is required by the security rule, you can see over time when these attacks occur. So you can see these unauthorized touches to the electronic protected health information in the record. And OCR argues in the 21st century oncology case, I think correctly, that if 21st century oncology had in fact been looking at these reports, they could have seen the 
persistent attack over time and had prevented it much earlier. So I think it's a really important lesson with regard to advanced persistent threats and these types of cyber attacks that are, you know, really scary for covered entities and business associates and are occurring more frequently. And then just to segue into the Fresenius case, again, that's five separate breaches, and that included many different things. It included a deficiency in physical access controls, so like locking down data and and the the facilities where the data are held, and that's a really good thing to look at in your program. But it also included the lack of encryption and decryption. And so these are continuing issues that entities have in terms of their security programs. So I think depending on the type of breach that you're looking at, there may be specific fixes over time, but in terms of a good baseline security program, you know, all of the elements from the security rule are there for that purpose. And I think really do put entities in a better position to deal both with things like advanced persistent threat, but also things like mobile device security and theft and loss, which is, as you know, probably the, the number one issue that entities continue to see in terms of breaches. Based on some of the breach reports that you've been seeing over the last couple of years, I know in looking at the HIPAA breach reporting tool website, we've seen a sizable uptick in hacking-related incidents. Based on that and the reports that you see and the sorts of problems that covered entities and business associates seem to be facing, what are the biggest emerging challenges that they're facing and where are they kind of falling short? I know that, again, you know, the risk assessment that's been an ongoing problem. But if you drill down, where are they sort of weak in terms of putting them in this position where they are falling victim to these sorts of things? I do think, as you've just mentioned, risk analysis or the lack of an accurate and enterprise-wide risk analysis is really still the biggest issue. So that's the foundational issue because if and when the entity neglects to identify a certain class of data within their enterprise, so, you know, maybe they um, do a really great job with the EHR system, but they don't necessarily recognize the EPHI in their billing system, or they they do a great job with their systems, but they don't do a great job with the EPHI on their mobile devices. Wherever there is a hole in that risk analysis, that is where the breach occurs. So it's really important to recognize in most cases, these risks could have been foreseen if the entity had done a really good and thorough job with its risk analysis in terms of identifying all the data first, such that they can do a good job of analyzing the risks and threats. And then correspondingly, we have problems when we move into the management of those risks. Not only a risk management plan, but really looking at which of the administrative, physical, and technical controls, the safeguards that are required by the security rule, would be appropriate to implement. And again, I think encryption is a really, really important tool and one that's highlighted over and over again, not only by industry publications, but also, for example, from NIST. You know, NIST just released a draft report on Internet of Things, including medical devices and how important encryption is in this new world of Internet of Things that we're moving into. And so, you know, it's really important for entities not only to identify the risks, which is also something NIST suggests, but then to appropriately implement the safeguards that are necessary to reduce those risks. 
And that does look like things like access controls, multi-factor authentication, encryption, monitoring these audit logs so they can look for attacks when they're ongoing. All of those mobile and device security controls that help entities track their mobile devices. So again, these are things that have always been required by the security rule, but I think are still not being done in a really enterprise way by covered entities and business associates. And so because it's a patchwork and it's not with regard to the entire enterprise, the parts of the enterprise that are missed is where, as you would imagine, the highest risk is for those types of attacks and breaches. So, Eliana, we hear often about ransomware attacks in the healthcare sector as well as other sectors. And in 2016, OCR issued guidance saying that in most cases, ransomware attacks do result in some sort of reportable HIPAA breach. Do you think covered entities and business associates, for that matter, are underreporting these incidents as potential HIPAA breaches, and why? I'm not certain that there is underreporting happening. I do think that there are some entities who have taken the position that despite OCR's guidance, a ransomware attack does not constitute a breach, which I don't agree with, and I think the majority of the CISOs, IT people, FBI, you know, anyone who sort of works in the cybersecurity realm understands that these are, in fact, breaches for several reasons. First of all, we're talking about effects to not only the confidentiality of the data, but also the integrity and the availability of the data. So when, whenever you have a type of security incident that really hits the CIMA, that's the confidentiality, integrity, and availability, then you really do have to think seriously about why that would not be a breach situation. In the case of ransomware, not only do you have an attacker with access to all of your data, that's a confidentiality issue. You have a lack of availability of that data because the ransomware locks it down. And then you have an integrity issue because the ransomware generally copies the files and then encapsulates them for purposes of demanding a ransom. So once you have copies of data, errors can be introduced. And that is a continuing issue. If, even if the entity does pay the ransom and get that data back, it's not the data that was originally in their system. It's a copy of that. Beyond that, there are massive patient safety issues, as we have seen with these global uh, ransomware attacks. And anytime you have that level of risk introduced, I think it's really hard to say, according to that breach risk assessment that's required under the HIPAA breach notification rule, that the probability of risk to the data is low because, you know, you have massive risks associated with the non-availability of data, particularly to patient safety. So I do think these are breaches, and I think that if an entity, if a covered entity or a business associate is going to argue, uh, based on a risk assessment, that it was not a reportable breach to the OCR, they really need to be prepared to defend that position with forensics reports and other detailed evidence about why they truly think that this was not a reportable breach. That said, I do think the majority of covered entities and business associates are taking the position that they just report everything. It's better to just report it. Even if there is some question, they don't want to engage in the 
a detailed analysis that's required by the risk assessment provisions and the breach notification rule, and they're just going to default associated with their policies and procedures on breach notification to notify because it's the safer approach. Again, that's the that's the decision that the covered entity or business associate has to make. But again, it's report or make sure that you have that detailed evidence. So when there is a news report or there is a complaint filed and the OCR comes knocking and asks you why you did not report that breach, you, the covered entity or business associate, can produce that documentation to have that conversation with OCR. And Ileana, now that you've left OCR, anything you'd like to see HHS do in terms of HIPAA enforcement activities and healthcare, cybersecurity moving forward? For instance, when it comes to medical device cybersecurity, anything you'd like to see from HHS beyond what FDA has been doing lately in terms of advising manufacturers to design their products with security in mind and to also have healthcare entities include these devices within their risk assessments? Anything beyond that? I think that that is something that um, is, is ongoing conversations at HHS as far as I know. But I think you've really highlighted some truly important issues for our industry. The first is medical device security. And I do think that the post-market guidance from the FDA is incredibly helpful. But I think the FDA and my former colleagues at the FDA who are fantastic and incredibly smart people need to start having more conversations with device manufacturers about particular particularly the time it takes when an identified vulnerability is being worked through their system in terms of um, patching and testing. Because what I continue to hear from covered entities and business associates is when there is an identified vulnerability of some sort that can, in fact, create a patient safety issue, that the manufacturers aren't really jumping on that as quickly as they would like. So the, the covered entity and the business associate really can't on their own own assess whether or not a fix, if you will, a patch or other uh, security control that needs to be implemented can affect the functionality of that device through testing. And that's really something they need to work with the manufacturers on. But the manufacturers may not be paying the type of attention that covered entities and business associates would like them to to these issues. So those patching and testing phases may take longer than covered entities and business associates are comfortable with given the potential risks to not only the data on those devices, but to the patients that may be affected by any particular incident. So I do think that there is work to be done in sort of bringing manufacturers into the fold and helping them understand the concerns from covered entities and business associates about how important these processes are such that fixes can be applied to devices in the most efficient way. I think also that there are several efforts not only throughout the federal government, but also at NIST to better understand the types of contractual controls that need to be in place for purposes of cybersecurity. So Department of Defense, for example, um, has started a process to update all of its contracts with its vendors to provide for enhanced controls pursuant to cybersecurity risks. And I think that's something that is going to likely be rolled out across the federal government. And I think having those available for industry to look at would be really helpful. And I think that's something that NIST is working on now, sort of a a standard set of 
contractual controls that can be included to address cybersecurity risk. I think that's an ongoing effort that is really important um, because everyone needs to be sort of aware of the, the way that the federal government would recommend preparing for ensuring the right controls and responding to these types of security incidents and cyber attacks. Thanks, Eliana. I've been speaking to Eliana Peters. I'm Marianne Kobasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.